the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the third Godfather movie, which I obviously cannot recommend, Don Michael Corleone finds himself speaking with an Italian Roman Catholic cardinal about a crime that involves a crooked archbishop and the Vatican Bank. And the cardinal does not seem to be at all angered or surprised that such malfeasance could, could go on in, uh, within the church. He walks over to a fountain in the courtyard and picks up a rock out of the water. He holds it up and he says, this rock has been in the water for a long time. And he slams it down, he breaks it in two and he holds it up and he says, but inside it is completely dry because the water has not penetrated. And he explains, this is like the hearts of men. They have been in the church for many, many years but Christ has not penetrated their dry hearts. Now I thought of that scene as I reread the story of David and Bathsheba. It's hard to read that story without a sense of shock or disgust. How could a supposedly great king do such horrible things? How could a man of such great faith act with such treachery and cowardice and deceit? How could God have called David a man after his own heart when he was going to sleep with one of his best soldiers' wives and then kill him in an attempt to cover it up? Lots of questions. But ultimately, The story of David's treachery is the story of a faithful man acting in an unfaithful way. And in that sense, it hits very close to home. Now, if you're into comparing sins, you may never match uh, David's acts of infidelity, deceit, and murder. I hope. The truth is, we'll probably not likely match his righteousness or his devotion to the Lord either. The uncomfortable truth about David is that he was a great and faithful man who sinned greatly. Well, David is well into middle age now. And he seems to have gotten lazy or bored. It was a time that kings go off to war. David stayed behind. Now he had lived a life of great faithfulness to the Lord, both as a conquering king and also as the author of many psalms of worship that we still use today. David's many successes were the result of God's covenant promises to him. And for most of his life, David had responded to these promises with faith. 
and joyful obedience. But you may know from your own life that when things are going well, just kind of plugging along, going fine, no real high highs or low lows, sometimes it's easy to slip, almost without realizing it, into a season of going through the motions. Into a season of spiritual complacency, where our hearts get dry, like the rock that the Cardinal showed to Don Corleone. In seasons like these, really without thinking about it, we begin to try to balance faith and little fantasies, little, little things we afford ourselves with a, with a wink. David seems to be in a season like this. He doesn't feel like attending right now to the paperwork, to the matters of state. So he takes a stroll on his rooftop. And from this view, looking out over the city, he sees a beautiful woman taking a bath. And he goes on, but he comes back. He goes and he comes back again. And then he makes a choice, really, in fact, a series of choices that will throw himself under God's judgment and his family uh, into chaos. David was a great man who sinned greatly. Now, it would be easy perhaps in some context appropriate, uh, to preach from this passage against infidelity or deceit or murder. I could take, take this passage and I could preach against spiritual laziness, against a wandering eye or a lustful heart, or against the abuse of our power. And I could preach those things to you and I could preach those things to myself. And I could say, don't do it. And that would be really good advice. The fact is that you already know that God doesn't want uh, those things in your life. But the question that this passage raises is, what happens when a person of great faith sins greatly? Because exhortation is not really going to help the person who is sitting in the pew this morning uh, with a secret. Who came in wondering where it all went wrong. How could they be a Christian and do the things that they have done? What is the good news when a Christian sins out loud? When Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the door of the church in Wittenberg, uh, the first thesis said that the whole of the Christian life is repentance. I think he got that right. When the prophet Nathan later confronted David with his sin, David admitted his sin and he threw himself upon the mercy of God. We read in Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit 
within me. And there were earthly consequences for David that played out in his family and in his reign as king. But David's unfaithfulness never canceled the faithfulness of God. Though David failed, God's character and his nature is such that his promises and his love for sinners are not deterred by human sin. Like the cardinal in the movie, God was not surprised by David's sin any more than he is uh, surprised by your sin or by mine. And though our sins may rightly be grievous unto us and the burden of our sins intolerable, our sin does not revoke the promises of God made to us or the love of God that He has for us. God made big promises to David. God promised David that an heir of David's line would reign over God's uh, people forever. But David sinned greatly. And yet God is always merciful and He is always faithful to His promises regardless of our unfaithfulness. And He was so faithful to this promise uh, to David... That his own son, God's own son, was the fulfillment and the final heir of that promise. Jesus Christ, who died for our grievous sins, who was resurrected to everlasting life, and who ascended in glory to reign on high in fulfillment of that promise to David. And through Jesus Christ, you and I now have an even greater promise than David had. And the promise to us is that we may place the entirety of our sin upon the cross and within the death of Jesus. And that through that death and through His resurrection, that we, may, we become the righteousness of God. And that we will be made heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And that great promise is God's manifestation of His great love for you who have faith despite your unfaithfulness. Now, this is not at all to say that sin does not matter or that we shouldn't try with everything we have uh, to avoid sin. In fact, it is to say that sin is so serious that God Himself was the only one who could provide a solution for it. And if He had not provided a solution, that each of us would stand to face His judgment regardless of how public or how socially shocking our sin might have been. In fact... Sin is so serious that the only place to turn is the God against whom we have sinned. And there is a sense which that is terrifying. And there is a sense in which that is humbling. And yet it is in Christ Jesus. God's solution to our sin the heir of David's promise, the bearer of our judgment. It is in Him 
that we find redemption and welcome and renewal and grace. So if you've come this morning and you are weighed down with a secret, a scandal, if you are confronted with the dry stoniness of your own heart, if you're wondering where it all went wrong, and with King David, throw yourself upon the mercy of God Almighty. And know that your sin has not surprised Him, nor has it deterred His love, nor has it revoked the promise of salvation that is given to you in Christ. And know this, that as you turn to Him, that He will walk with you in truth and in strength through the earthly consequences and into eternal glory. For the judgment has been placed upon himself that we may be made the righteousness of God. Amen.